So, good morning, church. All right. So, if you have your copy of God's Word, normally we would be in 2 Timothy, but um, don't turn to 2 Timothy because this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Here's the reason for that. Um, One of the things that we've learned really just a a, a beauty, we learned this when we were in Vegas the past two summers. So if you don't know, our church, if you're new with us into our church family, um, we have a, a church partnership that we have helped plant a, a church in Las Vegas. And so we've been a, a supporter of that church plant for the past couple of years and been able to go there. And it's been a, an amazing, amazing time. And so in July, when we had our large a celebration and thanksgiving to God for being debt-free as a church. You'll remember we took up an offering, a special offering that day. And that day, none of our offerings went to our local body. But we, as a thanksgiving to God, everything that was given that, that day went to missions. And we divided it into thirds. One third went to support the Haven, which is our own ministry across the street that's going to be for, for foster care and a transition house for them. The second third went to Las Vegas and to help with their church planning effort and building a a larger community of church planners there. The third part of that went to to overseas to uh, Southeast Asia to our church planning partners in uh, in there with the Fricks. But uh, so you heard the video just a moment ago from Las Vegas on what that money that we sent to Las Vegas actually went to do. And it went to build and create this really amazing conference for all the church planners in that area to come together and be refreshed and to dream about what move of God is next. And so it was a really, really neat time. But one of the things that we learned, one of the principles that I personally learned, or at least it put it into words for me, it's something that, that I've held as a belief for a long time that's really important in a church is that it's important for people to be able to belong before they believe. It's important for people to feel as a part of a, a family that, that they are able to belong even long before that they may even believe the things that we believe. And that's a principle that that we learned as a part of the core value of who Favor City is. Belonging is a really powerful thing. That's one of the things that, that we learned over the course of time through the pandemic, right? We were essentially separated from almost everything that we belonged to and everything kind of went online and, and we weren't able to connect with people in, in many ways. And People did things like neighborhood chats where they would sit in their driveway and, and they would, you know, part, people would sit in their driveway and you'd have a chat and that was really awkward and Zoom meetings were just the worst things ever, right? Oh my goodness. And then we had online church, which was, which is fine. I'm grateful for it. But y'all, I was, I was ready to be out of the pajamas, like I was ready to come back. It was really good. It's, we need to belong to something bigger than ourselves. It's important for us. And so this morning, we thought, this is, this is something that we prayerfully as a staff, as a church staff, have been really burdened about. 
because we have a great need and, and kind of this dream to rebirth uh, an effort, a concerted effort in our church to be an incredibly welcoming congregation. Now, as a whole, I think this is something that, that we can do very well. Once kind of you're in our midst, I think we, we welcome people and transition people well. But one of the things we can always improve is how, uh, is essentially our hospitality. And so this idea was kind of birthed that, that we need to be great, exceptional at hospitality so that people can feel like they belong long before maybe they, they really want to join and be a part. Maybe if they don't even know that they believe in Jesus yet. And this has kind of numbers to back it up. Over the past kind of year, um, one of the things that Ryan shared with us is that as a whole, over the past few months, we've averaged as a church about 38 new guests per month, which is, which in and of itself, that's amazing. Thank the Lord for that. And s several of you in here would be included in that number, right? And, and you have chosen to, to fellowship here at Ridgedale. And, but some of you have different experiences of, of how you come in and see things in, in a new, and sometimes you kind of fall through the cracks and, and difficulty. So we wanted to, we want to take a step and really revitalize and, and kind of birth something new this morning. And, and from that, we thought it was important for us to, to preach from it and for us to really kind of dive into what it means to be a, a church that, that is transformed and godly in the way that we welcome people into our midst. And so let's look at Romans chapter 12, which is an incredible passage that, that deals with a lot of these things written to a specific church in the way that they begin to organize and deal with different people in their midst and, and new people coming in. So when you get to Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, say word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice then that he begins to discern for us and give to us what God's will is for the body of Christ. And he says in verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, meaning that you and I are connected to one another in Jesus Christ, that we are part of something much greater than ourselves. Verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 
contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And he continues to go on and revealing God's will for our lives and for the church. But one of the things that, that I want us to, to kind of begin to understand as we look at the idea of becoming a church that is incredibly welcoming and hospitable and warm is that our transformed hospitality must come from our transformed life and our transformed love. So hospitality is what I would call a symptom, but it's not the root thing. Notice how far down the list that we kind of get to this idea of hospitality. It's not until we really begin to get into verse 9 and, and 10 and 11 and 12 and 13, which is going to be our core text for today. But I, I want us to know that we're not just being, we're not just going to put on a face because like we're going to be, we're trying to be like Moe's, right? Like we're not going to have somebody out there, welcome to Ridgedale, you know, like, like just because we want to be hokey and we want you to feel like kind of this fake presence. No, 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 no. That's not what the Lord Jesus desires from his people. Our transformed hospitality is supernatural because we as believers have had a transformed heart and therefore have a transformed love. And out of that expression of love comes this beautiful hospitality and warmth. And so this is the importance. This is why we're kind of diving in and beginning with verses 1 and 2. Because Paul has spent the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, which is incredibly awesome and thick and hard at times and all of those things, kind of beginning to show to us the, the glory of the gospel and, and how it is, it is by faith that we are saved and by God's grace. It's not our own works. And so he, he at the kind of, at the beauty of it all, the end of chapter 11, he kind of just explodes with this song of praise and hymn of, of thanksgiving of who God is. And then chapter 12 hits and he transitions to the practicality of life because what we believe, we talked about this last week, always leads to what our life actually is about, what we do. And so he says, Paul believes, looking back at verse 1, he believes that we will be conformed or transformed by something, doesn't he? He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Basically, he's making this appeal and saying that, beloved, because of what Jesus has done for you, he is worthy of everything in your life. And so we must lay ourselves down on the altar of, uh, of, of our life, essentially. We must lay our life down and begin to be transformed into what Jesus wants us to be, who he wants us to be. And so how is that accomplished? How are we conformed by the gospel? He says, by God's mercy, as we die to ourselves, as we die to our own desires, because guess what? For the most part, if you were to be honest, how many in here would say, I really don't want or don't feel comfortable going up to strangers and people and like being the one that makes them feel welcome? <laughs> Chances are, if you're being totally honest, like, and that's okay to be honest about that. But if you, it, 
This is a spirit change that has to happen in our, our life. So how does that take shape? He says that we stop worrying about ourselves and our own desires and comforts and, and acknowledge that we're a part of this bigger body and we are to serve the other as Jesus has served us. So what are some principles of this transformed hospitality or this transformed love that Paul gives to us in the book of Romans. There's six of them. We're going to move through them fast, so don't freak out. You're not going to, like, we're not going to miss pumpkin patch or anything like that. The first one is this. The first principle is this, that love, as we see in the biblical sense, modeled by Jesus, actually draws near to others. Love is the thing that draws near to, it compels us to draw near to others. And we see this in verse uh, 1210. But I want to reread verse 9. Let love be genuine. This, again, this is not a hokey love. This isn't like a tofu burger love when the real thing is out there somewhere, right? This, this is the real thing. He wants us to be genuine in this. He wants us to hold fast to what is good. And he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Notice, you, you may be new here, and you may, you may be new to this Christianity thing. You cannot do Christianity and fulfill God's will for you and not be connected to other people. These are God's, this is God's will for our lives. And notice how many one another's there are. <laughs> Lots of them. Which means even though it's messy, even though it's sometimes hurtful and difficult, and sometimes we don't get our way or we don't get our preferences or any of these kinds of things, God's design and will is that we lay those aside and still choose to love and be with one another. So may, you may be in here and you're like, man, I'm not connected to anybody. This is, this, is, this, is a, this is a compelling case, I think, to, to choose, to prioritize, to be a part of this, to want to be a part of this one another. Love one another with brotherly affection. And I began to think about this. This is a different kind of love than verse 9. That love is, in verse 9, is agape love. It's the sacrificial love of Christ. Brotherly affection is different, right? How do I treat my sister? Well, one, I love to pester her, right? That is uniquely fun as an older brother is just to, just to give them a hard time. But you know what? I would do anything for my sister. And I always prayerfully choose to draw near to them. When I think of brotherly affection, I think of this familial tie that draws us together that's greater than myself, that's greater than my preference. It's greater than my comfort. It's greater than my desire because I know that there's something bigger going on. And so because of this, love causes us to draw near to others with a warmth that is familial. Meaning our fellowship should feel like a family. Now, in a, in a room this size, in a church this size, everyone will not you will not know everyone, right? And that's, that's okay. That's not what Paul is saying. But the people that you are living life with or the, the, or the people that are in your small group or uh, in general, when God gives you an opportunity for somebody different to, to know them and to care for them, you're responsible for doing that. 
So he says, love one another with brotherly affection. God, we see this in Acts chapter 2. When Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and there's power and many people were saved, what's, what does the end of Acts say that they did? They got together. They chose to be with one another. Love draws us near to one another. Meaning that we as, as believers, as maybe as people that are more established, to put it in Paul's terms in uh, later in Romans as well as in 1 Corinthians, as stronger brothers in this area, it is our duty, our privilege to serve the, the other brother or sister in Christ. So they were involved with one another's lives. They were meant to pray together. They were meant to worship together. They were meant to go to ball games together and uh, go to the park together and watch movies together and all those types of things. Obviously, first century didn't get to watch movies. That's such a shame. But Jesus says there's going to be a defining mark about his disciples. And he says this after Jesus himself washed their feet, right? In John 13, 35, he says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It is easier, it's far easier to remain kind of floating away it's far easier to remain an individual. It's far easier to not to connect. But Paul is saying it's, it's far greater and better, not just for you, but for others that you choose to love one another with brotherly affection, to draw near. So that's the first principle of, of a transformed love and a transformed hospitality. The second one is this, that love elevates others. Not only does it draw near but it chooses to elevate them above ourselves. Look at, at the end of verse 10. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. This is the only time in, in, according to my memory that I can ever remember that scripture kind of giving us a competitive edge. It's the one place in scripture that says, you can try to one-up somebody. Right? And the way that you do that is by showing honor, to honoring them, to elevating them. Now, typically, when we get to, to know people, it's much easier to draw them down. We know their faults. We know their warts. But Paul says, let's elevate others. And the way that we show honor to people that are even especially new in our midst is by pursuing them and making them feel very, very important, right? Allowing them to, to belong maybe even before they believe because that's ultimately what Jesus did. He, he came, he, he told disciples when they were calling him to himself, just come and see. His first command to everybody wasn't come and follow me. There were some people that it was come and see, you know? Some people have to really see and, and experience something before they choose to dive in themselves. And you and I have the privilege to partner with, with God in his mission to draw people to himself. And this is one of the ways that we do that. We honor them. And so we're going to be kind of changing some things around the way that things kind of look, especially down in the sanctuary. And, and I'm going to get to this in, in a few moments. But we are really, really trying to elevate 
those that are, that are guests. Now, that's more of kind of an Eastern mindset than a Western mindset, but it was really important. It's very, very important. Oftentimes, in our world, we treat people based on what they can do for us, right? Our society um, throws people to the side that, that may not be able to do all the things that you and I that, that you and I can do. And it's because it's purely utilitarian. What can you do for me? But Jesus is not that way. He says, what can I do for you? And thank God he's that way. Because I could do nothing for him. But he could do everything for me. He could do everything for you. And so in modeling what Jesus has done for us, we want to do this for others. And not only that, have you ever been in a healthy family that, that doesn't trash each other, but actually builds each other up? It's wonderful because that's what healthy families are meant to do. So love elevates others. The third truth that we see in verse 11 is that love overcomes inconvenience for others. Paul commands people, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. These are essentially three different commands. The first one is to do not be slothful in zeal. Meaning, there is, I think, a convenience or comfort factor or kind of what is most natural to us. And that is a, a floating towards apathy towards these things. That we have to stoke the fire of our love. We have to stoke the fire of our hospitality because... It's natural, it's easy to begin to find the row that you sit in. It's easy and natural to begin to find your people and that's all you need. It's easy and natural to find the group that you're in and never leave that group. And, and ultimately, ult what we become is like a middle school cafeteria where everybody kind of has their people, you have your food and you sit with them and everyone else is an outsider, right? But that's not what the church is meant to be. In fact, it says love overcomes this inconvenience. And the inconvenience is what is most natural to us, what is comfortable for us. It's easier, quite frankly, just not to do this. It's much easier. But Paul doesn't let us get away with it. And not only that, he says, be fervent in spirit. But then he grounds that in why we're serving. It it is because we love those, ultimate, those people, but ultimately it's because we're serving the Lord. That's what he says. Serve the Lord. Make no mistake, dying to yourself, making this our, a fact of our spiritual worship is not an easy thing. It takes intentionality. Hospitality is costly. It isn't about being a superhero, though. It's not about having the best place. Listen, these floors have been here since the 1980s. It's the ugliest thing on earth. <laughs> it's awful. And you know what? Like love and warmth overcomes even all of those things. It's about being willing to allow God to use you when, you have, when you're presented with the opportunity. That's what overcoming this inconvenience is about. So invite people to lunch after service. 
tell people that you're glad to see them. Choose maybe for one week, next week, or another week to sit in a different place and meet somebody new. Choose to ask somebody a, a question about their, 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 uh, you know, their faith. There's a quote from Henry Nouwen that I, I found very, very important. It says this, it'll be on your screen. Hospitality is the ability to pay attention to the guest. Hospitality is the ability to pay attention to the guest. This is very difficult, he says, since we are preoccupied with our own needs, our own worries and tensions, which prevent us from taking distance from ourselves in order to pay attention to others. This is why you and I must choose, even on Sunday mornings as we come to worship, to choose to die to ourselves and say, God, this morning as I worship you, it's not even about what I need and what I want. It's not about my preference. It's not about my desires. It's not about my seat. It's not about my Sunday school. It's not about my lesson. It's about serving you. It's about encountering you. It's about loving you in the way and loving others in the way that you've called me to love. So love overcomes inconvenience. It overcomes what is most natural to us. The fourth thing that we see is love generously gives to others. Verse 12 is really good, but it, we'll, like, it doesn't really present some of the stuff that we're looking for. So we're going to jump to verse 13. Love generously gives to others. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So although hospitality is a gift that God gives to the church. There are some of you that are so natural at this that it's just like, oh man, I could greet people in my sleep. And that's in some ways, that's one of the things that, that I've come accustomed to as a pastor is like, I, I, I love doing that. I look forward to doing that. I prioritize that. I see a, a, an alone person in our midst that is new as an emergency. And so if I'm ever like, hey, excuse me, uh, I, I'm going to go talk to someone else real quick and we're having a conversation. That's not because I'm, I don't love you. It's because I'm choosing to prioritize a, a new person or a, a, and a guest person in that moment because of they're lost <laughs> and they don't know anyone. And so that's, that's kind of an important thing. And choose to invite people to sit with you. But love generously gives to others. Now, the word seek to show hospitality doesn't really do this justice. This is really the word that means pursue. That you're see like it, it says, like you're really seeking it out. Origen, who is a church father, said it this way. How finally does he, meaning Paul, sum up the generosity of the man who pursues hospitality in one word? For by saying the hospitality is to be pursued, he shows that we are not just to receive the stranger when he comes to us, but actually to inquire after, to look carefully for strangers, to pursue them and search them out everywhere. Notice that it's not just the people that have this gift that are called to do this. Because if it were, then that would be in the section of three through eight, where Paul talks about some of the gifts and that we're, we are to serve big time in the things that we're really natural gift, naturally gifted in by the spirit. But this is a command for all of us. 
And it won't just be a command for a hospitality team, but we as a church have to commit to saying, you know what, when I come in on Sunday mornings, yes, like I am here to encounter God personally, but maybe one of the ways that God desires for you to encounter him is by choosing to love someone else and getting out of your own head. So love generously gives and thinks about others. The next part actually comes from Romans 15, seven, and it says, love welcomes as Jesus welcomes. This is basically the, the idea of the whole sermon. Love welcomes as Jesus welcomes and cares as Jesus cares. Romans 15, seven says this, as I try to find it, there we go. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, Romans 14 and 15, to add some context to this, is talking about the issues of conscience. Now, we, we did a whole sermon series on that. We don't have time to go into it. But he talks about that, that the stronger brother or sister in Christ in certain situations has the obligation to care for and welcome and love the weaker brother or sister in certain situations. And we are not to think ourselves more highly than we ought to think or think ourselves better than someone else because one conscience issues, we believe this, and one, another conscience issue, we disagree on, right? So he's saying instead, we must choose as a body of Christ to welcome each other and therefore a guest as Jesus has welcomed us. And how has Jesus welcomed us? Openly, with everything that we have, all our baggage, all our sin. He knows us perfectly and welcomes us as we come to him. So Jesus welcomes us. So this is the, a love that actually is primarily a, a, it, it's, a, it's a concentration of the mind. It's not feeling something towards somebody. It's a desire. It's, it's something, I'm, it's, a, it's a decision, excuse me. It's not a feeling of the heart. It's a decision of the mind. So the final thing that we see comes from Romans 16. And I'm not gonna read all of Romans 16 because there's a ton of names in here. But the final thing that we see is that love it seeks to welcome, it seeks to give generously, to show one another honor. It seeks to welcome as Jesus welcomes. But finally, love actually seeks to remember others. This is something I admire deeply about Paul and try to apply to my own life. 16.1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sincre, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. So Phoebe is coming and not a part of the Roman church. But Paul's saying, welcome her as you would me and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of, of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks, verse five. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary who worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. Verse 8, greet Impliatus, our beloved worker in Christ, or my beloved in the Lord. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in the Lord, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. 
Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet, 12, verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis. Greet Rufus, verse 13, chosen in the Lord. Verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. <laughs> so what do we do with all of that? Now, if you just look at it, you're like, well, that's kind of boring. He's just listing names and all those kinds of things. But Paul is, is showing us something about what it means to be family. And even family that, that don't see each other all that often, right? Now, you and I are imperfect. Not everybody's going to remember everybody's names or anything like that. You're not going to remember everything about each other. We've got to give each other grace. But Paul really desires to remember and love and honor the people that are in his family. And so that's why he remembers their names. That's why he would list specific things about them, right? He said that they were to welcome Phoebe as their own and to provide for her as their own. Our family is big with lots of people. And here, just in chapter 16, there are 33 names. Nine of them were with Paul. 24 of them are with the Romans. And he says in every instance to greet them. 18 times, 17 of them, which were commands, were to greet. But this isn't a personal greeting. This isn't a you greet. This is actually a plural, second person plural. Any uh, noun or not, any English nerds in here? What's the southern way to use the second person plural? Y'all. <laughs> What's up, y'all? He's saying y'all greet. Everybody greet. Everyone love each and greet each other. And he says do it in verse 16 with a holy kiss, meaning with a great deal of warmth. That does not mean that you go up to a random person and just give them one right on the lips. That sloppy wet kiss that David Crowder used to talk about. You know, no, 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 none of that. He's saying greet them in a way that they would feel truly welcomed in warmth. Anthony, you like to give what? You like to give hugs. That's exactly right. Most of you in here have probably had an Anthony hug at some point in time. Maybe that's a fist bump during COVID. That was like a nod from about 40 feet away. And like all kinds of, all kinds of different things. And that looks differently in different cultures. But for us... Whatever would give them the feeling of warmth and connectedness. Paul says for us to do that with one another. And not only are we to do it with one another, but we're to do it to the guest as well. So here's what I want, this is how I want us to close. Um, our desire is for us to relaunch a holistic new welcome and hospitality team. And we're having a lunch for this and a training on November 12th after church. Our goal is to have 40 to 50 volunteers churchwide to do this. Now, the, the ask is not that you do it every Sunday, but it's two things. That if you feel like this is an area that, you, that God desires for you to serve him in this way, we want you to be at this lunch or at least to come and talk to us about it. But also as a church family, 
it's not just up to a greeting team or a pastor to create a feeling of warmth. It's actually the full body's job. And so maybe this is something that, that you need to begin to think of, uh, of coming in on a Sunday and say, you know what, I'm gonna, by the Lord's power and strength, I'm going to choose to introduce myself to a, a new person or family a week. And I'm gonna ask him a couple of questions. And then, and then after that, I'm gonna collapse in my chair of absolute uh, just death because I'm so tired because I'm an introvert and that's all I can give you, right? And that's okay. Uh, ask people to sit with you in worship. As you see new people come in, allow them to sit with you. Introduce yourself and others to them. Pray for them. And here's one, an opportunity. If you're at Pumpkin Patch, do this stuff today. We have an opportunity to honor and love our community in a way that most times we don't have the opportunity to. And so this is a huge, huge chance. So if you feel like this is a ministry that you would enjoy and you feel God leading you to, November 12th, there's a lunch, sign up online, okay? You can do that at Ridgedale Baptist Center or an, um, an easier way is maybe after service, if you wanna come just tell me that you're interested in it, then that would be great too, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that, um, that you birthed this idea and Lord, you desire for us to, as, as a church to enhance this, to, to not become slothful in our zeal to do this. And, and maybe Lord, I, I feel like that may be an area that we had become. Um, and so God, I pray that you would allow us to be fervent and that we would do it as we are serving, knowing that we are ultimately serving you and your kingdom. Help us to love one another. Help us to know one another. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that you would create a community that really knows and loves one another, that prays for one another, that honors one another rather than, than tries to detract or um, disparage one another. I pray ultimately, God, that you are glorified in our, in our midst, and, and Lord, I pray that you would lead the right people to, to be a part of this team. Um, and, but more than that, God, I, I just pray that we would be a church that exemplifies what Jesus, you have done for us. And it's in your name I pray, amen.